This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale. Up yonder, McCool, Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, about the drooping and solitary, and ghosts who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Mero Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology, we retell it and have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan. I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 132 of Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we complete the first branch of the Mabinogion. This is the story of Prideri, son of Pulch, Prince of David. But first, I want to give a very warm welcome to any new and indeed any returning listeners. Thank you so much to your new or recent support. Uh, please do follow me over on Instagram at Fireside Bard if you want to check out my poetry or anything I'm up to with the tour I'm on at the moment. Uh, please email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com if you're not on social media. And if you really wanted to support the podcast, you can do so over at Headstuff Plus on headstuffpodcast.com, where it's for as little as five euro a month, although you can pay more if you want. You can gain access to not just bonus material for Fireside, but for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network. I want to give a very big welcome to the latest supporter over on Headstuff Plus, which is William Moore. He joins Matthew Hill, Martina Rafferty, Rebecca Garvey, Ray McGahan, Stuart McCabe, Elizabeth Bonjean, Tracy Rowlands, Beth Kettelar, and Ruth Phillips as the most recent supporters over on Headstuff Plus. Thank you so much to each and every one of you. There's a brand new bonus piece of material uh, on WB Yeats and the poetry of WB Yeats in Irish mythology and its influence, vice versa. Uh, for you to all enjoy recorded especially for you and i want to start this podcast now that we've got the introductions out of the way with just a massive apology these last two episodes of of fireside have come out later than they usually would if they're scheduled once a week on uh, every wednesday i to be fair have uh, usually kept quite a good diligence in staying as ahead of myself as possible with the podcast but as i've said in the last few episodes i am back on the road i'm on tour with world of musicals in australia we're here for six months and i'm currently in port adelaide where we have a little bit of time off hence me actually getting a moment to record the podcast again the tour has been going well but like with the the understandable stresses and hassles and constant changes of being back on the road during the pandemic uh, it has been a very very stressful ordeal that has had different things happening every single day but the show's good we're all safe we're all healthy we've successfully completed our hotel quarantine had shows in tasmania we're about to start our leg here in south australia before hopefully making our way over to wa without any more hassle i should hopefully be back on top of things with fireside 
but I do appreciate your patience and know that it has not been any for any lack of care or forgetfulness on my part. It's just been quite a quite a stressful ordeal that has taken its understandable toll here and there uh, on my productivity and on my mental health. What uh, all is good, all is uh, all is going full steam ahead, and delighted that to be back recording the podcast and delighted to be back with a brand new a brand new story for you and the story for today is the third part the third and final part of the first branch of the Mabinogion of Welsh mythology in which we meet the character the only character who really ties together the four branches and that is Prideri son of Pulch Prince of David and we're going to learn learn a lot more about him now um, I just wanted to say thank you. I got a chance now to read all, through all of the messages that people have been sending so far about their thoughts on me do, me tackling Welsh mythology in the first place because I did ask you all and I always love hearing about it from each and every one of you and if I have not replied to you yet, I apologize and I will very, very soon. People have been very understanding and I've really appreciated their honesty and it's great to hear the support for it. I know uh, someone spoke about being apprehensive beforehand but then actually really enjoying it when they actually started listening to it. My plan had been to basically entirely focus on the Welsh lore for the next foreseeable because there's so many of the stories and they're so strong and they kind of all link to each other and there's still such variety in them. But I have had a request to to keep up the the Irish folklore side of things as well, which is totally understandable. So I think it will take me between one and three episodes to do each branch of the Mabinogion. There's the four branches, and then there's a selection of other uh, loose, uh, loose, looser tales. But uh, in between each branch, and then maybe in between each of the later sagas, I'm going to lash back in a couple more of the Irish folk tales to always keep it in the roots of Fireside, and to always remind you that this is an Irish storytelling podcast, but it is a Celtic podcast as well, and we share so much with the various mythologies, both near and far, and it feels really, really exciting, and also somewhat justified, as long as I can try and not make my accents too terrible and keep working on my pronunciations, uh, which will always be, that'll always be an uphill battle, but it's a challenge I'm, I'm accepting, and I haven't got any angry ranting messages thus far about any particularly egregious pronunciations. So it still feels good and I appreciate all your support on the direction the podcast has taken. And with that, we will chat more, of course, afterwards. But this is the story of Prideri on Fireside. Prideri. Pulch, Prince of David, was at Arbeth with his beautiful new bride, Rhiannon. For an entire year they lived in marital bliss, passionately and judiciously. They got on well, were immensely attracted to one another, and Pulch would frequently seek his wife's counsel on matters of state. It was Rhiannon, after all, who had orchestrated their entire arrangement. It was her who had sought out Pulch. It was her who had come up with the plan to defeat Gwaul so that her and Pulch could marry. And so it went for a year, and then another year. But in the third year of the marriage of Rhiannon and Pulch, the Prince of David was summoned to council by his chief advisers, who told him that he was no longer a young man. 
and in two years of marriage to Rhiannon he had not given the kingdom an heir. It seemed to them that Rhiannon may not be able to give David its next ruler, and they advised Polk to take another wife who might be able to give him a son. They knew Polk would be hesitant to accept this. They knew he loved only Rhiannon. But they flatly emphasized to their prince that either he would father an heir, or they would find a new prince who would. My lords, I understand your concerns, but give my wife and I one more year to give the kingdom its heir. If she has not conceived in one year, I promise I will bow to your commands. The lords thought, what's one more year? And Pulch, Prince of David, got to work. The gods must have been present at that meeting, because within three months Rhiannon was pregnant, and she carried the baby to full term and gave birth within the agreed year. The seven cantrevs of David rejoiced that the baby was a boy, and that night a very weary mother rested as six nurses watched over the kingdom's heir. Before midnight, each of the six nurses had fallen asleep, and the newborn baby was left unattended and crying. When morning came and the careless nurses awoke, they were horrified to look where the baby was, and there he was, gone. We'll be hanged for this, said one nurse. Or burnt at the stake, said another. A hanging and a burning is too good for the six of us. We'll be tortured first, and we'll deserve it, said a third. Hang on, my friends. There is a dog in the kennels who has just given birth to pups. Now hear me out. I say we kill the pups and smear their blood and bones on Rhiannon as she sleeps. When she wakes up, we can accuse her of killing the baby herself. That's a bit strong, said the fifth nurse, but also kind of brilliant, said the sixth. As hauntingly barbaric as the plan was, the six women found they were more loyal to the idea of being alive than they were to the Prince of David, and we mustn't judge them too harshly for that. The dirty deed done, the nurses waited for Rhiannon to wake up. The Lady of David rubbed her eyes and felt the sticky damp on her face. She then looked in increasing horror at the stains on her bedclothes. Surely this was all a dream, she thought, but she would not be so lucky to wake up again. Rhiannon looked to her ladies-in-waiting and asked, Where is my baby? Lady, they said, do not dare ask us where your baby is. It was you who was possessed to murder and eat the child last night. All we have is the cuts and bruises from where we six were not enough to physically stop one of you. There was no conceivable reality Rhiannon could or would imagine where she would have eaten her own child. She did not believe this for a second. Unfortunately for her, the baby was indeed missing, and there were six witnesses claiming that she had. Of course, it wasn't long before Pulch, Prince of David, was awoken by this horrifying accusation. There was no part of it that made any sense to Pulch either. 
His advisers told him that Rhiannon must be put to death for murdering the heir of David. But Pulch said, The heir would need to be dead for my wife to be punished, and I do not believe that he is. Rhiannon sought her own counsellors, who advised her to confess to the crime and accept her punishment. Seeing no way of proving her own innocence, Rhiannon confessed to a crime she had not committed. Because Polch refused to accept the death of the child, Rhiannon's punishment was that she would be kept at Arbeth for seven years. While there, every day she would have to sit on a stone outside the keep and confess to any passer-by of her monstrous crime. She would then have to offer to physically carry them into Arbeth. Of course, very few people were willing to accept a piggyback from a baby-eater. While Rhiannon began and endured her cruel, unjustified torment at Arbeth, over at the land of Gwentis Coed there was a lord named Ternon Torfclean. Ternon was known to have the most beautiful mare in all the land, and on the night of every May 1st she would give birth to a foal. But every time the colt was born, the next morning, the creature was nowhere to be found. So on this particular May Eve, Ternon was determined to protect the next foal born. He armed himself as his prize mare gave birth to a beautiful baby horse that of course was immediately capable of standing up on its four feet. But no sooner was the foal born than Ternon heard a loud noise from him outside. He turned in the sound's direction to see an enormous jagged claw coming through the window of the barn. The claw grabbed the foal by its brand new legs and began to drag it to its doom. But Ternon took his sword and sliced the arm at the shoulder, releasing the foal and causing the creature outside to retreat back into the darkness. Ternon gave pursuit after the beast, but it was nowhere to be seen. Ternon then remembered he had left the new foal behind in the stable and returned to make sure the creature was all right. When he arrived, Ternon was shocked to discover at the door of the stable an infant baby boy. Ternon brought the boy to his wife and said, My lady, here is something we have never been blessed with, a baby boy. If you would like him, we will raise him as our own. Ternon's wife was overjoyed, and they agreed to hide the boy away for nine months to convince everyone that she had been pregnant and that the baby was naturally hers. The boy had golden hair, and so he was named Guri Walt Eren. By the time the boy was one years old, he looked three. When he was two, he was sturdy as a six-year-old. By the time he was four, the child was bargaining with the stable boys three times his size and age. It was when Guri had reached the age of four, Ternon's wife asked her husband, Lord, do you remember the foal you saved the night we were blessed to find our child? It would appear the two are destined to be together. We should teach him to break in and ride his companion. Lady, said Ternon, I think that is a wonderful idea. It was at this time Ternon and his wife heard news of the torment of Rhiannon back at Arbleth. 
Ternan had heard this news at the time it had first happened, but he had never given it too much consideration. But he was appalled to hear of the continued punishment of Rhiannon. It's as he was listening to the details of this sad tale that Ternon looked over to his adopted son on horseback for the very first time, and already looking a seasoned rider, that he realized the truth. Ternon had at one time served as a vassal for Pulch, Prince of David, and he had never seen anyone look more like Pulch than the child Ternon now called his son. The Lord was suddenly racked with guilt and went straight to his wife. Lady, I know we love our son, but to keep the heir of David for ourselves while his mother is tortured daily for a false crime would be more monstrous than the creature I fought the night we found him. They were agreed. Ternon's wife said, It breaks my heart to lose our only son, but if he becomes the man that we have set him on the path to becoming, I believe he will do right by us and we will always be his foster parents. So Ternon, his wife, and their four-year-old foster son made the journey to David. There they saw Rhiannon sitting on the mounting stone, telling whoever would pass by of how she had eaten her own child. When Ternon and his family reached her, she told her tale, and offered to carry them the rest of the way to Arbeth. But Ternon said, Lady, not only will you not carry any of us this day, but you will never, ever carry anyone again, or have to tell this false narrative that you know to be a lie. Finally, the truth will out. Allow me to introduce you to your own son. It is difficult to imagine the reaction of a mother seeing her own child for the very first time, after four years of being accused of eating him alive. But there this beautiful blonde boy stood before Rhiannon, and the only word that came to her was, Prederi. When Pulch, Prince of David, finally met his only son once more, he had never been prouder to have trusted his instincts and trusted his wife. The word Rhiannon had first uttered when she saw her boy was decided to be the most apt title for him. So the boy was renamed from Guri Walt Erin to Prederi, son of Pulch Penanofen. Ternon and his wife were protected and honoured by Pulch and Rhiannon, and Prederi was raised knowing the full story of his upbringing. And as it must happen, one day Pulch Penanofen died, and Prederi became lord of the seven cantrefs of David. And so ends the first branch of the Mabinogion to be continued. Folks, as you all know, Fireside is a proud son of the Headstuff Podcast Network, which is Ireland's largest network of independent podcasts and a loving home for the creative and indeed the curious. There are so many other podcasts I could recommend to you on the network, some of which inspired me to approach Headstuff myself. Here's a taste of one you might enjoy. My name is Stephanie Preisner and my podcast is called Basically and Basically, it makes complex things basic. Are you confused by health insurance? Are you confused by getting a mortgage? 
Are you confused about how to sort out your personal finances? Any of the things that confuse you, I can make basic for you. We've had guests like Luke O'Neill, Harry Barry, Mary Lou MacDonald, Roz Purcell, and on Taoiseach, Micheál Martin. It's hard for me to promote the podcast because it really is what you want me to explain. So tune in and I hope you like it. And so we end the first narrative, the first branch of the Mabinogion on Fireside, and I hope you enjoyed it. So yes, the, the last three stories, the story of Puch, Prince of David, of Rhiannon, and of Pryderi, they are told as one tale, and that is the first branch. But they so naturally broke up into this trilogy, into fireside-sized chunks, as I call them, that it felt very natural to split it up like that rather than trying to exhaust it or condense details of it. I wanted to tell the full stories of it. That had probably the most difficult welsh pronunciation so far for me so i hope it wasn't uh too awful i really i i as i've said i've had these two sources for it one is textual and one is an audiobook that i've really been attempting to listen to to get the detail of while still trying to keep it in a in a nice rhythm and a nice flow and still keep it in my voice i hope it's not too jarring me going from these welsh names and then these welsh accents and the characters to then being my irish storyteller voice but uh, at least it'll definitely make it my own version of these stories, there's no doubt. Um, a very interesting detail about this story that I'd be very interested if anyone heard out. I actually meant to say it beforehand to listen out to it, but maybe it's better it wasn't a distraction. There was a story element in this story that we have actually had on Fireside very recently, which was very encouraging to hear, because you know I love hearing connections and overlaps of plot points and elements from seemingly totally separate stories, like with the story of Thor in the Land of Giants and Phil McCool and the Old Man's House. There was a folktale that we had very recently, I think it was about maybe 10 episodes ago, um, that shared a plot point with this story, and I'd be interested to see who, how many, if anyone, heard out for it. It was the story of the 12 wild geese, which is also known as the story of the 12 brothers in, in from the Brothers Grimm, in which there is a silent young girl, a girl who takes this vow of silence, gives birth to a child that then disappears and she is accused of eating alive. In that tragic story, the child actually was murdered, but by the wicked stepmother character, I think she's the actual mother in the version I told. But it's very interesting that that is a late, you know, mid to late 18th century German folktale that may or may not have had its roots in Ireland before or after or may have borrowed elements from the German tale, that that should have shared the plot point with this Middle Ages Welsh myth, which most likely predated any of them and could very well have been the original version of this story because it's too absurdly specific for it to not share it you know the idea of a child of a baby disappearing and the mother being accused of eating it and being smeared with the blood of poor pups the poor old dogs we never even got the look in for them um the one tricky plot point of it following that so we have we we come to the the pause with Rhiannon being accused of murdering her child and having to accept this 
awful punishment of sitting on a mounting stone and explaining to anyone who goes by what she's accused of doing and offering to have to give them a piggyback all the way up to the castle. We then meet this other character, Ternon, uh, who is supposed to be this other great lord of this other kingdom. And we have this plot point of the foal being kidnapped and eaten every year. So we have Ternon defending his newly born foal. This monstrous claw is seen coming through like some kind of Beowulf-esque Grendel figure. I always picture it as a very hairy claw. I picture, picture that's like a giant cat as opposed to a giant or anything, especially when I hear like the clawed hand. He slices off the arm. The monster retreats. He goes after the monster. He comes back and there is a baby boy there. And that is the most detail we have about who actually did kidnap Prederi. Was it this monster? Why did the monster keep him alive? Why was he taking him out on this hunt? Is there, could there be something even more bizarre about it? Is it that that monster's claw that was severed at the limb suddenly turned into the baby? It's a jarring but very interesting and very naturally mythological element to the story because there are countless times in, in mythologies where you just have to accept it just cause. And there's many times I like to try and stitch it together to make it feel like it isn't just my own stupidity and that it isn't that I haven't seen anything. And maybe there's something I've missed out here. And if this is a, a story that someone knows that they've heard, uh, but in any of the versions I've read or listened to, that part has remained unexplained. And those are also fine. You just accept that, that, under, that it was fate that took the baby away and that it was fate that brought him back to these foster parents to Ternon and his and his tragically unnamed wife in this version and we have the child being raised and he is he has these supernatural elements to him I suppose because there are supernatural elements to his parents where he grows at this accelerated rate or he develops uh, and is more intelligent and and firmer in his legs and is able to ride a horse comfortably at the age of four and then this tragedy of foster parents discovering who the actual parents are and for the sake of the child and the greater good of the kingdom having to give up their their only child that was gifted to them that they never had before which they do of course totally uncomplainingly uh it's safe in the knowledge that they will be looked after and compensated for this and my favorite detail is that that pulk says that he will that Prederi will always grow knowing the full story of his life so that they would never have kept that from him that he was kidnapped as a child and the awful thing that happened to his mother and his raising by Ternon and his and his wife and his coming home the the renaming of him is very very jarring in the versions I've read and I tried to soften that a little bit because basically Prianon sees the child and she says this phrase and they're like yes that's it Prederi that'll be his name and she goes well unless he already has a name you know and they said what have you called him and Ternon says we've called him Guri Guri Walteren to Prederi and uh, they go oh you've named him Guri Walteren yeah we're gonna go with Prederi Prederi's a better name and they go yeah yeah absolutely it is but it's just very very jarring it's very it seems very strong very harsh to go yeah you gave him this name here's a better one even though he's already four years old 
I don't know which one. I personally prefer Praderi. Praderi is a pretty fantastic name, to be fair, and it works well with Pulch Van Anoven as well. Um, and Praderi is, it kind of rushes to the finish line then. We kind of get the baby back home, but then it just says, and then he grew up, and he did all these things, and then Pulch died, and then he was Lord, and then it wraps things up. But as I said at the beginning, Praderi is the only character who occurs in all four branches of the Mabinogion, and arguably in the in the first one the least, because he only appears really at the very end. So I'm very excited to uh, have more adventures with Praderi, son of Pulch Penanovan. Um, Pulch, who I don't imagine will be with us again, um, but he was such a great, himself and Freyanon are two such great characters to open up with, stories you can really easily grasp and get behind the really strong elements like i say about how i i how i write this podcast is i just read these these various versions of it and then just try and go out on my own and write my own version and i feel i've got a feel for a story or or i'm really doing my own version of it when i don't have to be constantly checking back for details naturally here i check back for details such as like spelling and some pronunciations of names and places and all that but other than that the the story elements are very very strong they make very strong imprints on your mind and i hope they do to you as well and with that i will wrap things up but thank you so much for joining us and thank you so much again for your patience in the delay of these last two episodes of fireside hopefully she'll not should not happen again because we do have a very strong and firm direction to go in now keep your feedback coming in and it's really nice to have the back and forth i should to be honest i should ask for it more i always think i do more but uh you really responded when i've asked very specific when i've asked very specifically for feedback on specific things so thank you so much to each and everyone who has uh please follow me over on fireside bard uh or at the fireside bard at gmail.com support us over at headstuff plus at headstuffpodcast.com next week we will move on to the second branch of the mabinogion the second branch of the Maganagion is about Branwen, daughter of Lear, which actually visits, uh, features a character of the King of Ireland. So the Irish have already managed to wrangle their way into Welsh mythology. I'm looking forward to telling us. I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.